Welcome to the Startup Climb Podcast. I'm your host, Ewin. Startup Climb is a weekly podcast show where we bring you conversations with startup founders. Through the podcast, you will gain a behind-the-scenes look at their journey, their struggles, and what it takes to run a startup. On today's episode, we have Sang Shin, Director of Digital Innovation at Tomasic. Sang was previously the co-founder of the Silicon Valley startup Bean, a mobile app that enabled users to monetize and take control of their personal data and privacy. Welcome, Sang. Hi, Sang. Hello. Hello. Hi. So for people that might not know about you, could you share a little bit about yourself, your history and your startup journey thus far? Sure. Well, um, uh, I'm a, I've been in Singapore for about four and a half years, but before I came here, um, I was in the United States um, and I was there for a while. But actually, before I even go to the United States, um, I was in the Philippines because that's where I was born. So I'm a Korean. Um, parents are both Korean, but I was born and raised in the Philippines. So I consider this part of the world my home, Southeast Asia. And I stayed and studied in the right. Philippines until I graduated high school. And I went to America to study college. And after leaving um, the Philippines to study college in America, I stayed there all the way until about four and a half years ago. So while I was in America, I um, actually studied environmental sciences and economics. Never studied computers, uh, but I was always was pretty good at it for some reason. Maybe it was all the gaming that I did when I was a kid. <laughs> Learned a lot about computers with gaming, right? Yes. Yeah. And um, after I graduated, I, um, I kind of went towards the uh, technology side because uh, the whole, um, you know, sustainability um, effort back then, this was 1992, uh, was quite a different um, situation. And I, and I was, to be honest, a little bit disillusioned. I didn't know we could actually make a change after studying it. <laughs> so the more I learned, the right. more discouraged I got because the bigger the problem it seemed then. I kind of said, gosh, unless I'm uh, Mahatma Gandhi, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make a difference because um, this is going to take everybody to right. chip in and make a difference. And back then I, I kind of didn't know. So I went into technology and I went into some investment companies doing technology. Um, so I, I had the privilege of working at some of the uh, largest and most influential investment management companies. And um, somewhere along the way, I kind of, uh, maybe it was midlife crisis, um, but I kind of started asking the question if, if that was really it, right? I had a pretty steady job working at a steady company, probably could retire doing the same thing uh, for another 30 years, perhaps. And it kind of just dawned on me that, you know, I'm, something was missing, that I thought there was more to this, just this, that this just couldn't be it. And so that's kind of the, where it started, right? This, uh, this questioning of that. And um, yeah, and then, you know, a co-founder of mine, um, who was a co-worker of mine in one of the companies before, had this idea of, you know, we just thought it was strange how companies we're taking people's data and selling it for a lot of money. And people never saw that billions and billions of dollars. So we thought I was just kind of strange. Um, this is about 10 years ago. And uh, we, we said, you know, rather than just talk about this 
every time we, <laughs> how do we actually do something about it? And so I think that was the genesis of the startup uh, fever I, we both got. And we, we basically came to a point and said, look, we really need to do something about it. Otherwise, we should just stop talking about it, either one or the other. And so we decided to do something about it. And so, you know, we quit our careers, um, quit our jobs. And I spent most of my time until that point in um, the East Coast, particularly in New York City, and then also in Boston where I studied. And packed up and left and moved to uh, California, the Bay Area, and kind of uh, did a startup thing there. So that's what I did for some time um, at the uh, um, at the last stage of my stay in the United States. And uh, I can talk about that experience. But basically, once that ended, I decided to leave and go to the next area of the world. I thought there was going to be a lot of growth, and that would be in this region. So here I am. Right. So I think you have shared a little bit about your journey in the U.S. and currently in Singapore. So could you share like what is the biggest difference in your opinion in the startup ecosystem in California versus Singapore? Singapore specifically, not the region. Uh, maybe Singapore first and then the region. Yeah. Okay, sure. Well, I mean, it's kind of similar. Yeah. <laughs> but the um, I guess the biggest difference is is actually the reason why I see so much potential, and that is in the mindset. They're pretty smart people there, and you know what? They're pretty smart people here. So I don't think I see such a huge disparity in the actual intellectual, you know, talent. Um, there's a lot of money there, but guess what? There's a lot of money here too. Um, so also from a funding side, as far as um, you know. I don't see too much. There's a lot of grants and government opportunities. There's also a lot of corporate. But the area I do see is in the mindset and the cultural. And this comes from a cultural difference between um, the East and the West. And, you know, having lived in both sides for a long time, I'm, I'm not a young kid anymore. Um, I can say that that's one area where there's a big difference, yeah. So I grew up, you know, in a Korean, very Korean, strict household. And there it's very, like, influenced by Confucianist um, Chinese uh, principles, filial piety, you know, age and gender and respect. It's very big in Korea and Japan. And Chinese um, um, influenced countries in Asia. And that's very different than what you see in the West, where it's where they didn't have that, and their individualism um, is prized. And you see that play out in many different ways, from innovation and startups, even to COVID, and the way COVID is being handled in the two different right. industries. Right. So, and, but let's talk about the region then. Do you feel like um, the Southeast Asia region as a startup ecosystem, do you feel like um, it's comparable to Silicon Valley or are there like bigger differences than just the mindset? I mean, the region is different in the sense there are some physicality differences, right? It's right. a lot more fragmented, for example, in this region. And the cohesiveness or homogeneousness of uh, Silicon Valley in a country is not there. So you have that as, a, as an obvious difference. Um, there's also differences in the way that this region is maturing in terms of digital technology um, than in the United States. Um, there, you'll see countries um, skip the gap, basically skip the computer and PC and laptop and go directly to mobile. 
in terms of getting interconnected. And that presents different types of opportunities. Sometimes it's better opportunity because you kind of just don't go through some of the pain that let's say America went through in certain evolutionary things. So there's that as well. There's also um, the size and the density of the population and where they are in the economic development stage of the country in general, access to different types of, let's say, Wi-Fi or cellular, um, you know, access points is different. Most of the leveling of education and spread of information is also different. And there's many more, but, you know, those I think are some structural differences that you'll see besides the uh, mindset difference. Right. So do you feel like it's, a lot more complicated to do business in Southeast Asia than because unlike the states where um, everyone speaks the same language, even in Southeast Asia itself, there are many different languages and thus it's, it's quite hard for startups to expand into the different uh, countries in Southeast Asia. Yeah, I don't know if I can say it's harder because when you say something is harder than something, it's an amalgamation of many different aspects and then and then you collectively say it's harder and it's really hard to make a judgment call on that. I think both are hard. I think just startups in general, is hard <laughs> regardless where you, yeah. know, you try it in Antarctica, it'll probably be hard, maybe harder because no one's there. But I think um, there are different sets of challenges. I think you were alluding to them, um, you know, different um, languages, different, even localization um, overhead, right? You can't just even between Malaysia and Singapore, for example, you can't just, plug and play, let's say, exactly. So they have these different um, you know, techniques where a company will have a, a landing spot or some way to kind of immerse itself into the localization of uh, individual countries. So those are, those are just, like I mentioned earlier, structural challenges that, that exist here that you know, are kind of non-existent or watered down in a country like America. But in America, you have different sets of challenges that you see there that maybe you won't see here. So that's why it's hard to say which one's harder. Right. So I think uh, we have been discussing about the challenges. So um, this is something that sort of leads to the next question, which is what should an aspiring entrepreneur in Singapore think about before actually diving into starting their own startup? Well, they should, I think this applies to any, any aspiring startup founder. Um, so I can start with that and maybe something more specific to Singapore, but I think every startup founder needs to really understand and question themselves on why they're trying to do a startup. Um, there's no singular answer to that. It's an internal introspective reason why somebody will want to do it. And everybody has a different story, different stage in their life. You'll find that it's not just 20 year olds that do startups. You'll see other people at different age groups doing startups. And so the reason why you want to do it is critical and it can't be for superficial reasons such as making a billion dollars or something like that. It has to have more meaning and purpose. Otherwise, you're going to get the means to an end flip backwards and you're going to find yourself in dark times, which everybody will go through during the startup journey. And if you don't have that purpose and that meaning of why you're doing what you're doing, it's going to be very difficult to face yourself and look in the mirror during those dark times, uh, which you will uh, go through. So that's a, that's something I would say. Um, everybody should. Now in this region, um, and in this country, um, same thing applies, but slightly different. Um, there's a, there's different sets of challenges here, but you know, there's a lot of opportunity in Singapore, I would say. Lots of programs, 
um, lots of sponsorships to do startups and grants. And, you know, that, that is a good and a bad thing. If you ask me, it's a good thing because it allows for many, uh, it's a numbers game. So you allow for more people to try it and you make it easier. You lower the hurdle, uh, at least in some areas such as um, cost and funding to start. Um, the, the bad thing about it is it, it kind of detracts a little bit from the grind and the difficulty um, of actually securing that funding in other parts of the world where it's it's not as affluent or as developed and don't have as much um, money as a country to fund certain programs. And so you kind of lose a little bit of that hunger, that, that grit, um, and also sometimes the purpose, right? And that's something that I think um, matters. Right. So maybe we could go a little bit into your own um, history as a startup founder. So I think you were talking a little bit about privacy and how um, that started as a common topic between uh, you and your friend. And then after that, it sort of branched out into like, hey, let's start a startup. So what was like, was the purpose behind it? Um, the subject matter itself, which is privacy, or was there like you wanted to seek like a new challenge? Like, what really inspired you to like really take the dive into? Um, let's do it. I mean, it was, yeah, for us, I mean, uh, it was very personal for us because it was <laughs> it was affecting us. I mean, we were using apps and browsing the internet, knowing, and we knew at that point in time we were the product, even though it wasn't so commonly understood ten years ago. Um, but it, it, to us, it was an issue, right? Because it was very personal to us and there was no way around it. It was either you're on the grid or you're off the grid. There's no in between. So if I use search engine to search something because I have to, there's no other way to find it. I have to then <laughs> give up my privacy in order for that. And so why is it that way? Why is there no other way? Who created this system where it had to? So I think the key there was it was a, a personal issue that we found and that we experienced every day and we didn't like it. And we, we didn't agree with it. We thought it was wrong. Um, and so that's what led to us um, trying to find a solution for it. So I guess, yeah, that's the reason. So we, we found a problem that was personal. It was impacting us every day and we didn't like it. And so we wanted to fix it. That was uh, the reason why we got to do what we did. Right. So I think um, leading to that as well is like, what I wanted to know also was that were there any like hesitation before you actually start a startup? Like, like yeah. in terms of like financial commitment? Oh, yeah. Well, one thing I can say is, um, and this is just, this is just a fact. The older you do a startup, the older you are rather when you do a startup, the more challenging it is because you have amassed more responsibilities as you grow older, by and large. Now that doesn't, this is not a blanket statement saying 100% of the time that's the case. But generally speaking, as humans grow older, they amass more responsibilities. They meet more people, they might have a family or might have a house or have more assets to protect. Whatever the case is, generally speaking, you have more responsibilities. So if you're going to do a startup, doesn't mean you can't do it when you're older, like Colonel Sanders created KFC, like when he was in the 70s, right, when he was broke. So there's no age thing, it, but it is easier to do it when you're younger. Uh, the barrier is a little lower because of that. Now, for me, I wasn't young, right? I already had built a career. So yeah, it was very, very difficult. I mean, my mom, my parents... Um, thought I finally went crazy, right? 
Oh my God, he finally lost his head. He's going to ditch his job at that company and throw away everything he built. Um, but, you know, the, and, and I share this with people, the, the best thing that I found was the minimum, the regret minimization framework. It's, um, I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's a pretty um, well-known thing that Jeff Bezos uh, went through. And um, I followed the same thing. And, you know, when, you know, Jeff Bezos was thinking about creating an online ebook store called Amazon, um, he, he was stuck, right? It was very hard. He was a very uh, successful investment um, banker. Uh, in Manhattan at the time. And, you know, he hadn't collected his bonus yet. And as you know, investment bankers, the vast majority of their annual right. money comes in a big payout and a bonus. And he would have foregone whatever amount that was back then. And um, his boss tried to talk him out of it, right? His boss took him for a walk around Central Park for 40 minutes and basically told him at the end of the walk that, you know, this is an excellent idea, this whatever online book selling thing you got, but it's a good idea that somebody else should do because you already got a really good job and you're a successful investment banker. Why do you want to do this? Um, and that's why he struggled with those things. But he just did the regret minimization framework, which was he fast forwarded his life until he was 80 years old in his deathbed and looked back to the current time and said, on my deathbed, when I'm that old, would I regret doing or not doing this? And that made it very easy for him to decide to do it because he knew that even if he failed, he wouldn't regret failing. It didn't work out, but at least he tried. He, he had no regrets, he said, when he pretended to be 90 or 80 years old. But he said the one thing he knew for a fact was if he was 80 years old and he looked back and he didn't try it, he said when he was 80, he would definitely regret that. He would definitely wonder what if. And so he said that he couldn't live with. He said that one cannot live with that one. So easy answer. Got to do it. And that was his regret minimization framework. And I applied the same thing to myself. And when I did, forgetting about the pressure of my parents thinking I'm crazy or giving up like a long built career. I, I, I put together over, you know, more than a decade and a half. It was just the same thing, right? Not knowing. Um, I couldn't live with that. I knew later on in life, if I look back. So th th those are some of the challenges in the way I got around those challenges to do it. Right. So what is one common strength that you observe among successful entrepreneurs thus far that you feel that every entrepreneur should have? Successful ones, huh? Okay, yeah. Not just everyone. <laughs> the successful ones, right? There's a couple of qualities you see in them. One is they have an, an unbelievable drive and desire to accomplish something, right? There's a certain energy and willingness. And I'm not talking rah-rah shouting and that kind of energy. I'm talking about the perseverance to actually go through and pursue something. That is one quality you will see among all successful entrepreneurs. The other one that you'll see is the, the entrepreneurs who succeed is these are the people who um, they're, they're willing to think in ways that other people aren't thinking. Right. So willing to think and go down um, the path that is not the beaten path that everybody walks and take that path that few people or nobody walks into the unknown with no guarantees. Um, but they're willing to do that. 
So they, they have a, a willingness in their minds to question things. They don't accept assumptions. They don't take things just because it's been done that way uh, for the past thousand years or 10 years. These are the people that think alternatively and have also the gumption to go there and not be afraid. So then there's the usual stuff we hear. Ah, oh, they're not afraid of failure. And well, this may assure that it's all there. But those are two qualities I see. And I, and I think I've arrived uh, with uh, looking at people. There's, there are three types of people. Right. The first type of people or person it are people who don't see the opportunity for whatever the reason, right? They just, there's the opportunity and they come every so often, but they can't see it. So they're oblivious to it and they continue right. on. The second type of person recognizes the opportunity. They can actually see it, but they can't go for it for whatever the reason. Then the third type of person is the one that sees the opportunity and also has a gumption to go shoot for that opportunity. And that is a third type is a successful entrepreneur that I see. Right, right. So let me wrap up this um, whole podcast episode with just one last question, uh, which I ask all my guests thus far. What is one advice that you'll give to your past self? To my past self? Yes. Oh yes, this, this uh, golden question. Actually, you know what? I, I, used to, I used to have an answer for this, but it has changed over time. Um, and now my answer is, I would say nothing. Right. That is a very interesting answer. I would, I would say nothing to myself. Because it's easy to look back in time and wish upon yourself that you would rather have this happen than that. Right. And sure, of course, everybody wants to have that. But in doing so, you know, what happens is you're not going to be who you are today. You'll be somebody else. And for me, I would not want to be anybody else but me. So I wouldn't want to change anything. So I wouldn't say anything to myself in the past. Right. <laughs> okay, just one quick question then. Yeah, sure. What is one resource or book or any educational material, blog post, etc., that you would recommend to all entrepreneurs that, hey, maybe you should read this before you start? Um, there's a lot, right? Or something that has influenced you like in a big way? Yeah, I mean... I would say, I mean, as far as a book goes, you know, the a book that still um, I still refer to a lot is the book um, called The Originals. Uh, I don't know, have you by Adam? Um, have you have you read that book? Oh, no, I haven't read that book. Yeah, I, I really like um, that book, and um, you know, it's a. Uh, it, I still refer to to portion, portions of it um, to this day. It talks about how um, how successful ones, how they think. And it also dispels a lot of assumptions. So I would say if you're going to read one book, read that book, The Originals by Adam. Adam Grant. Yeah, got it. All right. Cool. 
Thank you so much, Sung, for taking the time to talk to me today. Thank you. Thank you for doing this podcast. I mean, look, I'm hoping that through what you're doing, you impact other people as well and that they, you know, they learn from you and you help them on their journey. You're kind of doing what I'm doing, which is empowering. People. Yeah, I hope so too. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So keep, keep it on and uh, I'll see you online and let's see where paths take Thank us. Thank you. We've come to the end of this episode. I hope that this has been an insightful episode for you. You can find more episodes by searching Startup Climb on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Till next time, take care.